It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At the end of this podcast, when we declare the greatest one-hit wonder in the history of the New York Mets, unfortunately, Gary Sheffield is not winning that award. But I'll tell you one guy who deserves consideration, Pete, and you're not going to like it. The audience is not going to like it. Because when I say his name, you won't have positive memories. But if I told you this guy played 47 games for the Mets, had an 886 OPS, hit nine home runs in 47 games with a 299 average, you'd say, that's pretty productive. If I said that all happened after the trade deadline, you'd say, that seems like a great trade. It seems like you hit it when you made that trade. But then when I start to attach names to it, you're not going to be happy. Who am I talking about, Pete? You have no idea? I, I'm blanking. I want... It's wait, recent, wait. if that makes it easy. It's very recent. It's So it's before 2015. No, very recent. Or recent a, 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 means it's happened recently, yeah, not before 2015. Sorry, it's late <laughs> over here. Uh, so 2022 playoff run? No. No. I don't Daniel Vogelback did not put up those numbers. He also <laughs> spent multiple years with us. I got to be honest, I went to like one year rebate, but I think he had two 10 years with us, right? To, to, uh... Yeah, Juan Uribe, um was a guy who, if I mentioned his name to you, though, you'd be pretty happy. I don't think anyone has a negative feeling towards Juan Uribe. He was almost like our savior when the Mets acquired him. And no, he only had one tenure here. Kelly Johnson's the guy who had multiple tenures here. But it's not Juan Uribe. It's Javier Baez. Uh, Javier Baez was a good Met when the Mets traded for him. He was very, very productive. But he's going to be remembered for a couple of things that aren't positive. And number one is going to be the thumbs down. That's going to be the top thing. So despite coming over here and putting up Probably the best production of his major league career when you look at what he's done since and even what he did before that. uh, There's no Met fan that's going to have a positive feeling towards him because, A, the team didn't win. So despite him being really productive in those 47 games, it didn't spark the Mets to victories. And number two, they gave up Pete Crow Armstrong. And if Pete Crow Armstrong turns out to be a star, when we talk about bad trades in Met history, that's going to be one of them. It's unfortunate because. Juan Uribe, and I'm glad you brought up his name, Pete, his numbers with the Mets were not that great in 2015. But if I say his name, we'll all think positively about him. Like, yeah, Juan Uribe. We were so happy when we traded for him. 
Juan Uribe, part of a team that got sparked, went on a run, and got to the World Series. Javier Baez was a hell of a lot more productive than a guy like Juan Uribe, but the team didn't win. And the team got defined for rebelling against Met fans. And then he was gone. And clearly the Mets didn't make a mistake in doing that because Javier Baez in Detroit has been, like calling him a disaster would be an understatement. He has been awful. I I was trying to think of a different word. I mean, awful is just a basic word. (laughs) You should have done it in Joe Bringer voice. What a disaster. What a freaking disaster. Thank God we didn't sign this guy. Let me just say this. <laughs> I will tell you, Joe did tell me um, after Bias had that year in 2021, we're not doing the show anymore together, but we talk, we're friends. And I remember Joe saying to me on the phone, I, I don't know why this is so vivid to me. I know where I was driving when Joe and I were on the phone. I had him on the speakerphone and he made this comment to me. I was driving right near uh, SUNY Purchase. And Joe said, I got to tell you, bro. I would trade Lindor and keep my heads. That's just me. That's just me. And I think I was like, yeah, I see what you're saying. (laughs) Um, That would not have worked out. Can I tell you the one moment about Javi Baez that I do appreciate, though? Yes. Um, And I think this was during that thumbs down thing was when he lost his his earring. So I I feel like we got revenge on him. That was funny. Remember, everybody, I think Sandy Alderson was out there looking for the earring, too. Like, they were, where's they the earring? Called, they, were, they were calling for a freaking a diamond <laughs> earring, bro. If only I had those problems. Oh, yes. Unfortunately for Javi Baez, uh, we will only remember the bad stuff, despite 299, 886, nine home runs, 22 RBIs. Honorable mention for Latroy Hawkins. He was also on that 2013 team that we talked about earlier with Marlon Byrd. Latroy Hawkins appeared in 72 games and pitched to a 2.93 ERA. Also honorable mention of John Buck. John Buck was the catcher, uh, the forgotten guy received back in the R.A. Dickey trade. Now, John Buck did not have good career numbers for the Mets in the one year he was here, but he had a massive April, and that's why I'm bringing him up, because he had nine home runs in the month of April, and we had briefly fallen in love with John Buck, thinking, can you believe this? Forget Noah Syndergaard. Forget Travis Darno. We got John Buck. And then it all flamed out. The other guy, and I want you to tell me if this qualifies. The answer is going to be no, but I wanted to mention him. And I didn't want to mention him earlier in the whole Ricky Henderson, Jose Valentin light. And the guy I'm talking about is Mike Jacobs. The reason I mention that is Mike Jacobs was called up in 2005 and in a brief, brief period of time, put up insane numbers. The story about Mike Jacobs is that he got called up, hit a home run, and Pedro Martinez was the one who put his foot down and said, you can't send this kid back. How could you send him back down? He's hitting a ton. He ended up hitting 310 with a 1,000 OPS in 30 games and hit 11 home runs in 100 at-bats, which is a stupid pace. That's like a 55 home run a year pace. At the end of the season, the Mets then traded Mike Jacobs to the Florida Marlins for Carlos Delgado, clearly a trade we would not regret. So off the top, you'd say, okay, what's the problem? I don't know if you remember, but in 2010, years later, after Jacobs had that burst onto the scene, the Mets actually signed him. They brought him back, and he played 10 games for the Mets 
was in the minor leagues, and then got purchased by the Toronto Blue Jays. So he played 10 games five years later in 2010. I don't know if anybody remembers it. It was very nondescript. He wasn't productive at all. So is he a one-hit wonder? He kind of only really had the one year here. Do we count the seven games he played in 2010? Let me, let me put this in a musical term, right? There's plenty of bands out there that have had one hit. They may eventually throw out a, a, a single a few years later, but no one remembers that. Yes. So they're still considered one-hit wonders. So I think Mike Jacobs follows that, that to a T. One other guy I want to give an honorable mention to is Omir Santos. Omir Santos would not live in our memory if not for being involved in a moment that I think we all remember, which is the Omir Santos game in Boston against the Red Sox. Because that year in 2009, like his numbers were nothing to write home about. He played 96 games. He had 260. He had a 688 OPS. He had seven home runs. But I, I need to mention him because Met history can't be written without at least a sentence about Omir Santos. Put it this way. Uh, I wrote a book, and that book is coming out. It e- even has a book date that I can announce right now on when my book is coming out. And I could even give you a title. Should I give all that information out right now? Because I'm probably going to have to be a whore at some point in trying to sell my book. Like, I'm going to have you, to do that like every other dopey author, right? You're breaking news. This is a, this is the headline to the podcast, <laughs> breaking news in this episode. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, you know what? I'll save the name of the book for another episode. I'll just give you the date it's coming out. is April 3rd, 2024. It is coming out. It has been published. It's done. And basically, the concept of the book is I picked my 81 I wouldn't say favorite Met games because there's a lot of losses in there. Most memorable Met games that I have scored over the 35 to 30 plus years I've been scoring Mets games. So I took the 80 most memorable games. And not only did I write about the game, I wrote about where I was in my life. It's almost like an autobiography through the Mets, as crazy as that sounds. And the Omir Santos game needed to be in the book. I got the Subway World Series. I got World Series games, playoff games, Johan's no-hitter, crazy opening days. But that Omir Santos game was like, man, that's got to be in the book. But I'll tell you a lot more about the book. Maybe we'll have an entire episode all about the book that comes out on April 3rd, 2024. Another guy I want to mention is Sean Dunstan. Sean Dunstan was acquired at the deadline in 1999. He played 42 games that year and hit 344. So right off the top, I mean, how could you argue with that? But that's not why I mentioned Sean Dunstan. I mentioned Sean Dunstan as one of the great one-year Mets because of the at-bat he had against the Braves in game five of the NLCS that season, the Robin Ventura Grand Slam single game. He had an at-bat. That game is in the book too, by the way. 
That game's in the back. That game, you're damn right, that game's in the book. The, the, the Robin Ventura Grand Slam. Basically, every Met playoff game I've scored, not every of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are in this book, as you can imagine. But Sean Dunstan had the at-bat that set up the Ventura Grand Slam single. Set it up. He had this long at-bat where he kept fouling pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch, and then finally hit a ground ball to right center field up the middle for a base hit. And it set up the inning. So for that at-bat, for the 344, Sean Dunstan is up there. There's one guy left. And the one guy left is the winner. I'm, we could try to debate it. I mean, maybe Pete's going to debate it. I have no idea. But there is only one person that can fit the bill on this. And obviously, the names I've gone through all kind of fit my era of watching Met baseball. So again, I always apologize if there was a guy from the 80s or the 70s or the 60s. My research could have us talk about him, but I didn't remember it. I think the best way to do this is I got to see him pitch. I'm giving you my opinion. But this is the answer. And I'll give Pete a chance to say it's not the answer, but it is the answer. The greatest one-year wonder in the history of the New York Mets occurred in the year 2000. It occurred with a guy who went out and made 33 starts. His first few couldn't throw a strike, but then he put it all together and ended up throwing 217 innings, finishing with a 3-1-4 ERA. But more than that, we remember him for that image of game five of the 2000 NLCS as he stared out the center field as Timo Perez jumped into the air. And then Mike Piazza in his big hulking arms grabbed this diminutive man into his arms, picked him up to the sky. And even though he left us after one season, he left us for the school systems of Denver, Colorado. Let us all acknowledge Mike Hampton as the greatest one-year Met in the history of the franchise. You don't have to like him. You don't have to respect him. You can call him a liar. You may still be bitter about the school system story we were given during that offseason. But Mike Hampton, as a one-year Met, it's tough to beat that. NLCS MVP, made every start. Team got to the World Series. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jefferson Drew Martinez Hampton. I think I might go with Aaron Loop on this one. <laughs> Come on. No, no, no. You're right. The, the guy was a stud. Um, I think it's more bitter. The reason why Mets fans are are still don't like him is we're bitter. Like we, we thought he could be here for a long time and should be here for a long time. And that season was special. And uh, I think that uh, that is the reason why people just don't like my, my camp. I mean, that, that's, that's all it is. Well, but think about this, you know, and we've gone through so many different names and there's so many different circumstances to be here for one year and then be gone takes a weird circumstance. It it takes us saying we don't want you back. It takes it happening in a bad year and then getting traded, which usually means you're not going to be that memorable to us because the team stunk. So to be successful and then leave after one year, it takes this kind of circumstance. And unfortunately for Mike Hampton, and I can't say it would have worked out if the Mets kept him because Hampton's career after he left the Mets 
you know, it had its moments. Like I remember his first start he made for the Rockies after he left. He went out and pitched. I think it was like a complete game shutout or eight scoreless innings or whatever it was. But that year with Colorado, he was terrible. And, and the two years he pitched in Colorado, he was awful. He ended up resurrecting his career with Atlanta a few years later. But if you look at the rest of his career, he was never remotely close to what he was in 2000. So if the Mets had signed Mike Hampton to the contract the Rockies had given him, and granted he's not pitching at Coors Field, so maybe it's not as bad, we probably would have turned on because I don't think he would have lived up to that contract. So maybe we're better off that he left after after one year because I don't know if it would have really changed the fortunes of the New York Mets. And I don't think his career arc would have looked that much differently. It was that he went to Colorado. I mean, this we we figured there's 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 a reason why no pitchers go to Colorado. It's not well, because of the school system. <laughs> I I always joke that Mike Hampton didn't go for the school system. He went because he was a good hitting pitcher, and he said, "Screw my ERA. I want my batting average to go up. That's really what I care about." And by the way, it did in Colorado. This is important. In Colorado, in his first season after leaving the New York Mets, here are his numbers. I'm not even kidding you. 291, seven home runs, 16 RBIs, 891 OPS. <laughs> now, for perspective, in his year with the Mets, he did hit 274, but he didn't hit any home runs, and he only had a 586 OPS. He goes to Colorado. He's, he's essentially Shohei Otani. But, yeah, it didn't work out with Mike Hampton, uh, unfortunately. It was not a long-term Met, but he is, to me, clearly the greatest one-year Met this franchise has ever seen. If there is anybody we forgot or anybody we disrespected, you are more than welcome to email us, thericob at gmail.com, thericob at gmail.com. But I think we have it covered. Over the last 30 years, all of your one-year New York Mets. want to congratulate Mike Hampton on being the best of the best. We hope everybody is enjoying their holiday. Uh, Can't wait for this brand new year, 2024, where we'll have new one-year Mets to talk about. Luis Severino may join that list in a bunch of years. But all jokes aside, have a very happy holiday. We appreciate you listening and downloading another edition of Rico Brody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.